And welcome back to another episode of the Double Dunk Podcast. My name is Brett Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. I am happy to be joined by my friend, Eric Warner. Warnsy, what's up? Good, good. Uh, just getting over a cold... Finally, um, I scheduled my flu shot today, like a oh, like a like a big boy. I feel like I should have bought stock in halls prior to this. Just been pouring money into them, but they've been a lifesaver, helping me get over this cough. It's glad you're healthy. Good to hear. Um, my mental health uh, after last night is okay. If anyone is wondering, <laughs> um, I forgot how much it sucks to lose football games. Wow. It was a wake up call. I'm going to throw that flex out there. It was 302 days since the Eagles last loss. So almost like on a whole calendar year there. And, you know, it hit a little bit. Can't lie. Did that help you from thinking that the roof was caving in and it wasn't? So for you, your house isn't burning down and this is the worst thing ever. The Eagles have so many holes. Like, because I'm so connected to your Philly Twitter, like today on Twitter, it seemed like people were overreacting to me. People were acting like the oh, yeah. Eagles have a huge, huge issues and this isn't fixable. And it, to me, it felt like a major overreaction. Oh, yeah. It's Eagles Twitter. Yeah. It's what else, it's, you're, that's what you're going to get. Um, we'll get we'll get into kind of like what I oh, big picture uh, takes on kind of what, what I thought from the loss. But I want to just talk about like the some of the plays in the game. Quick. Okay. What, what's your take on the final penalty? Do you think that was a call? Do you think that should have been called? Uh, that reminded me of, do you remember last year? I think it was a Thursday nighter, Bears versus Pittsburgh, when Cassius Marsh made a sack late in the game and he was running back to the bench and slightly grazed the ref and the ref yes, threw a flag. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. And basically won Pittsburgh the game. It was just like a flag where you're like, wow, the ref just decided the game with that flag. Like, that's a, yeah. No matter who you're rooting for, that's just the worst way possible to end a game because mm-hmm. like the the next two minutes were obsolete. Yeah, they, I, I've I've always had the take where I think refs kind of have a little bit of an ego and they want to make them put themselves in the game. Like people don't watch the game for the refs; people watch the game for the players and the team. And that's where I'm kind of leaning with this. And I also thought Taylor Heineke completely flopped. Did you like go watch the slow mo of it? He, yeah. he clearly embellishes it. He actually said in an interview today that he knew he was going to get hit, and that's what he was hoping for. So I just look in the in the rule book. Does it say it should be a penalty? Yes. Um, you can't hit a quarterback that's defenseless after the play. Um, he took a knee, and that's another thing too. Have you ever seen a quarterback just fall to a knee like that after running around for like seven seconds? Like it doesn't happen to play in a live action football game. It's very hard for Brandon Graham to, Brandon Graham to stop and not hit him. So I I thought that was an egregious call. Now having said that, the Eagles had zero timeouts left. They would have been punted the ball back with well, I think it was like a minute. They probably would have got a minute twenty left on the clock. So Jalen Hurts would have to drive the Eagles. Back down the field with a minute 20, no timeouts. That probably wasn't going to happen. So I don't think that penalty. They would have had one. T- or no, yeah, they, no they, they timeouts. They would have used their timeout yeah. right there. So yeah. I don't think that play decided the game. Like I, I thought it was. A, I, I wouldn't have thrown that call a flag if I was the refs. I thought it was a bad call. So many different varying opinions on it. 
I saw my tweet today on it went absolutely bananas, and I, I had like over like seven hundred comments. I'm like, I'm not even going through these. <laughs> like, I don't even wow. want to see what this tweet's got. Almost five thousand, like eight hundred thirty comments. I haven't even peeked at those. I don't even want to know what people are saying about about it. But I thought it was a bad call. I thought it was stupid to make that call in that time in that scenario. I, I thought Brandon Graham probably could have done a better job, but that's beside the fact. The missed face mask penalty is where the attention should go on this game because that was brutal. I don't know how the refs didn't see that. And adding injury to insult, Dallas Goddard is now out long-term because of that play. That one, there's a, obviously a yeah. real beef. That was a missed call. But similar to how you, I guess you feel about the final one, I still just think Washington was the better team. No, last yeah, that, night. that's where that's where I'm gonna go with this. Like, yeah, that yeah, call yeah. is absolutely that, dreadful. But that call should change the game. Like, you think about it. They were moving yes. the ball down the field. Ball gets fumbled. They get they kick a field goal there. That God. that play had serious impact. That play had more impact on the game than I thought the other call did. If that makes sense. Right. I think we both also agree that the Eagles got a general a. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, a makeup call? No, the call uh, in the first quarter, the PI yeah, on Devontae that, that Smith. That was a phantom one. And a generous, I guess, yeah. a generous PI call. I would rather get a 40-yard pass interference penalty that way than get a fumble and Dallas couldn't injure start yeah, tight no, end going down true. on the shoulder. True. So let's tail this conversation to what I thought of maybe over the whole game. Eagles didn't play very well. Yes. The Eagles played bad. Um, that was their worst game of the year by far. The Washington Commanders had the ball for... Th- um, it was like 27 minutes in the first, or no, 22 minutes in the first half to the Eagles seven. Um, I think it was like 22 and a half to seven and a half. I think that adds up. That's the ball game right there. Washington literally was able to run for four, five yards of pop the entire first half. They got what they wanted and they dominated the line of scrimmage. The Eagles defensive line got bullied. I was just going to say yeah. that the Eagles kind of got beat in the trenches. I didn't yeah. expect that. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's stock arrow up for the Washington Commanders right now. The way their D line just performed against, in my opinion, the best O line in football. I didn't. I didn't think the Eagles' offensive line did had it, but I thought I thought it was more the Washington O line pushed the Eagles' D line back. Jalen Hurts wasn't running for his life or anything in that game, right? Like, I, don't think a, I don't think Washington's D line played like very well, but I, I see your point. The D line is playing better, and they're getting Chase Young back. Mm-hmm. But I was th- I was gonna say both sides of the ball. I thought that they got a push against a good trenches team. Jordan Davis is clearly missed. I know you had a tweet about that. That's I think everybody can agree with that. I thought prior to this game that the Eagles' poor run defense metrics was because they were always in the lead. They didn't need to really defend the run heavily when you're playing in the lead. What was it? This was the first time in the third quarter they showed this was the first time the Eagles had even been trailing in a second half this year. So obviously you're not going to be stacking boxes to defend the run. But it was alarming that Washington kind of got whatever they wanted on the ground. Mm -hmm. That could be how teams now attack the Eagles heavily going forward. Yeah, I think we spoke about this in, in text messages today. I think Washington and Houston have opened up a blueprint for maybe like... Shittier teams like Washington, like if you have Patrick Mahomes, if you go up against Mahomes, Allen, Brady, that they're not going to beat you this way. They're going to attack you through the air. But teams like Houston and Washington, what they figured out was if we can get four or five yards of pop on this defense on first to second down, we get the third and one, third and two. We can 
we can uh, we can get the first down pretty easily. And it showed. I think Washington was 8 for 11 or 9 for 12 at one point on third downs. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was because the average third down was 3.3 yards in a game. And that drastically improves your chances. It's easier to get third and three than third and 10, right? So run the ball on early downs. Take what's given to you. And with going back to what you said about the Eagles, like the defense, it's schemed up that way. Jonathan Gannon wants you to run the ball on first and second down. That's the way they play. They play high shell boxes. They play heavy zone. They invite you to run. And if you can't stop that, teams are going to keep doing it. So I think the Jordan Davis loss is huge. And I, and I it's showing the Eagles are averaging 3.7 yards a pop on the ground when he's on the field, 5.2 when he's not. That's about a 1.4, 1.5 yard difference. That matters um, in the NFL. And if they don't get him back, they're getting a better support. Like he's available to come back December 4th. I don't know if he's coming back that early. He's a big boy. Ankles, like he's yep. a high ankle sprain on a guy like that. We could be looking at week 15, week 14, even farther along the uh, along down the road. Yes. But exactly, they should just take the long-term approach with him because the Eagles are going to be in the playoffs. The house is not on fire. There's no need overreact and I think the fact that now the undefeated talk is over could also be a good thing for this team psychologically I, I hope so and that that's a take that's been thrown around and I, I can buy it the Eagles but were losing go- sucks right they like, were gonna, fun. they weren't going undefeated 100% they weren't going exactly. undefeated I never bought into that take whatsoever yeah. I thought they were that I pre- I think I predicted 14-3 me and Thomas said like me and Thomas Pearson on an Eagles episode earlier I think it was late last week we did a mid-season Eagles Kind of um, midseason Eagles awards, and which we're going to be doing later today in the NFL. But um, I predicted fourteen and three. I thought they would lose three games down the stretch. I think I, so. That would have been like six and three in their last nine games. I still think that's very likely. Um, it's just there are some flaws on this roster or flaws on this team that are are, are kind of concerning. Like the run defense. I I hate Jonathan Gannon's scheme, and I and I'm hoping he adjusts. And the other. Elf in the room is now too. Eagles are lost Dallas Goddard to a oh. shoulder injury, and I know for an extended period of time. And you own him in fantasy, so I, I know, know you're everybody not cares. Yeah. I know everybody cares about my fantasy yeah. team, but that's a big, that's a, that's a tough one. I think they're going to be okay with it without him. He's a loss, of course. Dallas Goddard's one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but still got Devonta Smith, still got AJ Brown. They've got a, an okay group of backup tight ends that I think could fill in pretty nicely, and. This is football. Teams get hurt. Like, look sure. at the Tennessee Titans. They were out both edge rushers, Jeffrey Simmons, two starting linebackers, and they go and beat Denver, right? So you can't make excuses in the injury game, um, mm-hmm. especially for a team like the Eagles that only has now three starters out, 22 starters out. There are a lot, there are teams a lot, or there are teams out there that are in a lot worse state than the Eagles when it comes to injury. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, I think that's it on that game. Um, So, yeah, I guess I should have said this off the top. We're going to be. Breaking down, we have three conversations we want to talk, or two conversations we want to talk about the Bills and Chargers, and then we're going to be doing some superlatives. We're a week over the midway point. Like it's hard to dictate when the I midseason hate that is. It's an odd yeah, number. it's stupid with the, with the week eighteen. So it's hard to say exactly when the midpoint is. But we're going to do it now. So we've got we got about ten superlatives. We're going to give out some awards today. We're going to uh, f- throw out the red carpet and uh, <laughs> dish out what we think uh, what we think about the midway uh, the, for the first half of the season. Sorry. But before we do that, there are two teams in the AFC that we wanted to talk about. Um, the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's start with the Bills, Warner. The Bills have lost two games in a row. Um, are you concerned at all about our hometown Buffalo? I guess they are the hometown Buffalo Bills. Are you concerned about our Bills? I am slightly. 
I, it feel, I was, there was one stat that was really, really alarming to me. And it was that the Bills are two and eight in their last one score games. In their last 10 one score games. And the stat reads, Josh Allen is two and eight in his last 10 games. The Buffalo Bills are two and eight in their last 10 games. I hate how yeah. they just put that stat on Josh Allen. That's, that's, I think it's it should be more of a team clutchness. It feels like the Bills on both sides of the ball struggle to get it done in those crunch time moments. Mm-hmm. And I think I am worried about that. And it makes sense when you think about it because they don't have the run game to finish teams off in fourth quarters in these tight games. Interesting. So that going down the stretch, to me, I would be worried about that. I think there's definitely some concern here with the Bills. And it starts with the quarterback, Josh Allen, like you said. Um, so just over the last two weeks, he's been 13th in eight paper plays. So he's been middle of the pack in efficiency. He's can't The Bills can't have that if they're going to win. He's got to be at the top five. They need him to be a superhero. And he has it. Seven turnovers in the last two games. Nine in the last three. That's alarming, right? Like, he, he can't turn the ball over. And he's not making good decisions. Can you, like... What's going? Yeah. I don't know what's going on between the years with him. That interception in overtime was kind of mind blowing yeah. to me. Like there wasn't there. There was there was open there. no button. Like yeah. that was just a really really poor decision. I still think they're the best team in the AFC. Okay, I disagree with that. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Yeah. Right. The Bills yeah, did beat I, the like, Chiefs. It's, though. A, it's a really. If you said the Chiefs, I'm not going to argue that. But just looking at the Bills roster, and Josh Allen, like, is he healthy? I think Josh he's Allen, healthy. I don't think it's an injury thing. I think it's kind of between the ears thing right yeah. now. Yeah, but I guess I'd rather he wasn't going to play superhuman for 17 games. No, so I'd rather him have a blip right now than. But in is January. this a, is this a blip? That's what, what kind of the conversation is tailing to. Um, I, again, seven turnovers, nine in two games, nine turnovers in the last three games. He that throw, like if you even go back to the Jets game, not like before the Vikings game, like he made that terrible interception in the red zone. Again, I can't remember who intercepted him. Um, like he's just mm. making bad, bad, bad decisions. And I don't know what he's seeing. I don't know what what's going on here. I it's on my radar. Like I, I I'm keeping an eye on Josh Allen right now because this is not the guy that he was last year. And going back to your roster point, like how good this roster is, there are some serious injury issues on the defensive side of the ball that they need to kind of figure out and get some get some help. Like Jordan Poyer's got an elbow injury that's been lingering. They really missed Gregory Rousseau last week against the Vikings. That that was evident, and they they didn't really get any pressure on Kirk Cousins like the entire game. Kirk Cousins was able to kind of do what he wants. And Kirk Cousins right now, I, I he was the second worst quarterback against pressure in the NFL. He is now the fourth worst, so he's still one of the worst quarterbacks against the pressure in the NFL. A little bit better since, I think it was like two weeks ago, but still. It helps when Justin Jefferson makes those kind of catches. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like You have to look at it from the Vikings' angle where Justin Justin Jefferson doesn't make that freaking insane catch. The or Bills if, win this game. Or if the Bills don't fumble a quarterback yeah. sneak. I've okay. never seen yeah, that. I wanted to talk to you about this because I was me and my dad were going back and forth. I'm with my me and my dad both are of the opinion that you should, you should just hand it off to the running back. Yeah, I didn't really understand the, the jaw and Allen. That was Allen hurt his knee right on the inter or what did he hurt on the interception? 
Um, yeah. Remember, you went to make the tackle. Yeah. So he had been hurt like somewhat recently. If you were running a sneak, maybe put in Keenum there. I don't know. Like, Allen looked tentative there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, the injury might have been lingering. And a safety there wasn't the worst thing in the world. Like the last thing you needed was a tu- was a touchdown because right. they were up by was a three three point no no four four, four. points. So yeah. you could like if you were worried at all about Josh Allen, like and it was raining four. and snow there, right? It yeah. was it was weird conditions in Buffalo, like it always is. You could have just ran around the end zone for tw- fifteen seconds, ten seconds, take the safety, kick it back to Minnesota. There was. That, that would have left him about 36 seconds left on the clock. If Minnesota gets back and scores a few, kicks a field goal with 30 sec, 36 seconds left, I guess that, that's your on you. But yeah. there was and a lot Bills, more outcomes that you could also, have also, you could say the Bills got – I don't know how this happened, how the NFL or the refs didn't review the Gabe Davis yeah. diving catch in yep. regulation to force overtime. So the Bills actually probably shouldn't have even gotten to overtime in that game. So I guess it went both ways in terms of like crazy swings of luck. Mm-hmm. That was a wild game. Game of the year. <laughs> that was definitely game of the year. Um, okay, I got nothing left on the Bills. Uh, let's transition to the LA Chargers. Um, Chargers uh, lose to San Francisco 49ers uh, on, on Sunday Night Football. Ugly game, boring game. A game that, of course, you had a yeah. lot of stake in. Game of the year didn't hit. Yeah. But <laughs> that of the year didn't hit for Warnsy. But Warnsy, any well, I guess I thought more, it was bad luck. I thought the 49ers dominated the yeah, Chargers. I, I like, think you're I, I texted top you, to bottom. Your process was completely right in picking the 49ers. You just have a point away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Robbie Gold, my favorite kicker yeah. of all time, misses an extra point. So I would have at least had the push. Yeah. My favorite kicker ever. That was a tough. I was thinking, like, it's tough to yeah. lose. It's tough to lose from Robbie Gold for you. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, on the Chargers side of things, I thought they got absolutely dominated in this game from probably the second quarter on. I have concerns about this team on the defensive side of the ball. But on the offensive side of the ball, I did think what the broadcast crew was saying actually made a lot of sense in the fact that Herbert is now becoming healthier from the broken ribs he had earlier in the season. Maybe that's why they haven't been throwing the ball over five yards a pop. Like it looked a little bit like they were extending the field more. So maybe that was because Herbert is finally getting over that injury he sustained in, I believe it was week one. He got Mm -hmm. hurt on that. Um, quarterback sneak, I think it was. Um, he, got, was he, got, it? he got hit. Or it was, was it just it was, uh, it was a den- was it against the Broncos week two? He got sacked week in the, two. Yeah, he got hit in the ribs with a helmet. Was oh, it week yeah, one? That was yeah. the plane where I was. Uh, I was on the way to Italy. Yeah, I game. think it was yeah. week one. I could be wrong, but yes. But um, anyways, he's healthier now. You saw him using his feet more in that game. Mike Williams is already practicing this week, apparently. Keenan Allen has had a hamstring since week two. He's <laughs> got to be back dude. soon. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. That's, but like, I think this offense is going to be okay. So I'm I'm confident in their offense, but I'm very low confidence in this defense. I'm I'm ready to like throw in the book on the Chargers this season. Like I'm getting there. I yeah. I have no faith in this team whatsoever right now. Wow. Unless like I, I have something I have here. Unless something drastically changes on the offense, and I put in brackets, Allen Williams coming back and playing a full slate of games. I, I'm out on this offense. They're so boring to watch. It's 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 fr- so frustrating to watch a guy like Justin Herbert with an arm like that and a talent like that just be belittled to what this offense is. It's 
Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator of this team, has got to go. And I'm with you on the defense side of things, too. They made so much, so many additions to this defense, and it's not working. Like they They're added Cleo Mack, up. they yeah. they got Chasey Jackson, they they signed Sebastian Joseph Day. They went all in on the defensive side of the ball to fix the problems from last year, and it's still not working. Yeah, their defense is bad. It's bad. Their team, they're not a good football team. The the, the uh, LA Chargers. I don't like. You're right. Mike Williams is coming back. I don't know what, what Keenan Allen's deal is. He's been out for so. He like, somehow got worse over the bye. Yeah, like his hamstrings are so um, flimsy right now. He can't even stay healthy. Like it's been. This has been like two years. No, right? no, this is the first year Allen has had injury okay. I thought issues. He's, I thought he like, had hamstring injuries for a while. No, early in his career he had injury problems, but then he had like a good four or five year stretch where he played every game, and now he's getting injured again. If you take a look at just like the DVOA numbers, like team DVOA, yeah. The Chargers are 24th. The teams behind them are the Saints, the Bears, the Raiders, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Colts, and the Texans. That's the group that the Chargers are chilling with yeah. right now. Pittsburgh and Denver is a, are ahead of them. Detroit's ahead of yeah. them. Yeah. So, like, yeah. they're they're just – they're not a good football team right now. I have serious doubts that they're even going to make the playoffs. Um, and it's, uh, it's a mess. Uh, I was completely wrong on this squad um, going into this year. The health has been a big issue. Like, they lost um, – uh, who's the left tackle? Who, who, Slater. Yeah, they lost to Sean Slater at the beginning of the year. Like they've Did had he, injuries. That issues. right tackle false started probably seven yeah. times in yeah, that game. Did he not? Yeah, he did. He, he got fired for a couple of them. No, but I can't believe he. I felt like he jumped early every time, but he actually had a good game against Bosa. I did not predict them benching Storm and Norton. <laughs> that turned out to be a great decision yeah. from Brandon Staley. I will give him that credit. Do not ever put Storm and Norton on the field. <laughs> Brandon Staley yeah. at least did that. Long term with this team, I I'm gonna throw out a crazy take here. I don't know. You can either take it with love or spit it back in my face. But I would take a serious, serious look at firing Brandon Staley this offseason. And this is coming from his Brandon Staley lover. I was gonna say I'm I'm, fi- I'm appalled <laughs> by that. I'm fine. Like I wouldn't say I would do it, but I would take a deep dive into because who knows what how much uh how about fingerprints Brandon Staley has on this or with the defense, defensive additions, right? Because mm-hmm. Chargers don't spend a lot of money. This isn't a franchise that opens up a checkbook. They did this offseason. So someone swayed someone to do this, right? Was it yeah. from ownership? Was it the GM? Did Brandon Staley want all this money spent? Because they're not getting return on investment right now. So ownership's probably not very happy about that. So my guess is that they're already taking a look. Now, I'm going to throw the name here. If I... If I'm the Chargers ownership and this can happen, I'm firing Brandon Staley. I'm calling the New Orleans Saints and saying, hey, how much draft capital do you need for Sean Payton? Wow. Am I crazy? I forgot, I forgot that Sean Payton's available. Yeah. He's a free agent. Well, he, the Saints yeah. own his rights, so you have to. For apply. how many more years? That's a good question. But I know yeah. for now, I think Payton has been openly. Sean Payton was on the Manning cast, and he said, like, I'm a free agent next year. He wants to get back and coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if I you think can, that's wild. It, but is it like, because of, they're locked into this defense, like with the money? Like, if you get rid of this defensive mastermind that Brandon is, is he at I this ag- point? I no, have, but I'm. I've said that with like air quotations. Like, yeah. I don't. I agree with you that on. Like, if you look at what he has produced, Brandon Staley has been a bust as a head coach. Mm-hmm. But you're. 
you transitioned to this style of defense. You brought in JC Jackson, who's unfortunately hurt for the whole year. You drafted or you paid Derwin James. You drafted Asante Samuel with a high pick. They've invested in the secondary, which is what Brandon Staley's defense is supposed to be about. They're just not getting the returns on investments. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's reason to just rush and fire Brandon Staley right away. If you can, again, if you can get Sean Payton and like, like I said, take a long look at it. I think if you're Sean Payton, right? And if you're sitting there going, which team do I go to? Why would you go pair yourself with an absolute super freaking quarterback? And you can go live in LA. It just it kind of makes it kind of seems like a match. I'm still I'm still just so lasered in on Peyton to Dallas. I think that's still the but most. But Mike logical. McCarthy, I don't know. Mike McCarthy's actually done an okay job this year. Yeah, but you know, if they <laughs> lose Jerry, and if Sean Payton's available, Jerry's gonna fall yeah. in love with the shiny, that's the fair. shiny object. He's loved. He's had a hard on for Peyton for his entire like, uh, Sean Payton's entire coaching career. He wants Peyton in, oh, yeah. in Dallas. Okay, that's it. Let's go. Superlatives time. Red carpet's rolled out. We're just throwing it out there. It's rewards time. Get the trophies out. We are going to pinpoint some superlatives. Are you ready to rock? Here we go. Okay. Most overrated team in the NFL so far. All right. So I am going to contradict myself a couple times throughout this, okay. but I think that the Tennessee Titans are overrated. That was, that's a very interesting pick. Yes. Yeah, that's a weird one. I will get the contradictions out of the way, and that would be that I think they might have the best coach in the NFL. Are you, so you're going to give them coach of the year and then say they're the most overrated team? No, I don't have him for coach of the year, okay. but if you had him, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't. I don't have him. Okay. He should be he should in the be discussion. In the yeah, 100%. I think that Mike Vrabel is an outstanding coach. Specifically, he has this defense playing so far above its heads, I don't think that it can be. It's not sustainable. Yeah, they have been outgained in eight of nine games this season. The only team that they have outgained is the Houston Texans when Derrick Henry went off. Teams are, I they are starting to just completely smother Derrick Henry. The last two games, his production has been down to what it's used to. The whole. I don't think this offense can survive on just Derrick Henry, which is all it is now that they've traded A.J. Brown. Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis, whoever it is, they're not producing through the air whatsoever. This offense in DVOA terms is currently ranked 21st. I, it sounds about right, though. Yeah, but everything that this team is doing is because of its defense, and I think it's playing way, way above its head. I don't think it's sustainable. Okay. I wouldn't go. I I I think the Titans are playing over above their heads. I agree. I don't know if they're overrated. I don't know if a lot of people are like hyping up the Titans out there. Are they? I think I guess I happen to you. Right. Maybe that's why. And well, I just think they're six and three. Like they're a division leader. Like yeah, they're gonna true. be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like and if you take a, if you take a look at their schedule coming up, we're yeah. about to find out if they're overrated or not. They've got the Packers on Thursday night. Then they host the Bengals in Philly. Host the Jaguars at Chargers, like in the next five games. So these are those okay. are some good competitions. So, but to find out if they are overrated, I'm gonna go one that's gonna piss off some people, but I don't give a fuck. The Minnesota Vikings are overrated. They're yeah. not. They're eight and one. I okay. Look, eight and one's a great record. Like they great first start of the season. Vikings are seven and zero in one score games this year. Yeah, that's not that is the least sustainable stat I've heard. Have you taken a look at the Minnesota Vikings DVOA as a team? 
They are they're Kirk Cousins right in the middle. They are 17th in Team DVOA, and they're 8-1. That doesn't make any sense. They And if you just take a look at the talent on the roster, who's the best player? Justin Jefferson. Who's next? Who's the next best player in the Minnesota Vikings after Justin Jefferson? Dalvin Cook? I don't know. Does that get does that get your pants hot? No. Is the Darius Smith maybe? This, I've been on I've been saying for weeks that this defense just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like I don't know how it is surviving. It's it's below average in terms of DVOA. It's 19th. So I agree with you completely. Yeah. This team's overrated. I think they're gonna hit I think they're gonna get humbled in the second half of the season pretty quickly. Um but I know it might piss off some people. But anyways, why don't you hit me? Why don't we go back and forth here? So you got the next one. Who do you have as an underrated football team? Okay, I went. I went. I looked at a bunch of teams for this one. I thought this was probably the hardest one to pick. But I found one that I did like. I thought this was impossible yeah. to pick. I found one that I did like. How about the Cincinnati Bengals? Okay. Cincinnati Bengals are a top ten DVOA offense, top ten DVOA defense, and a top ten DVOA team. They are officially one of the best teams in the NFL. You get Jamar Chase back coming soon. I know that hip injury is kind of scary, but once he gets back, Joe Burrow starting to play better football. This is a team that I don't think a lot of people are talking about in the AFC because I think the Bills and Chiefs get so much conversation. This is a team that just went to the Super Bowl, right? Like they are coming off um, a Super Bowl loss. I don't think they're getting enough hype, and I think this is a team that can make that can do some damage in the second half of the year, and maybe they can get in the like they can finish ten and seven just like they did last year. And cause some damage. So I just think they're being under talked about. I think this is still a good football team. Their defense is playing well, and analytically, they are a top ten team on every side of the ball. So I think the Bengals was the best choice here, but it was a tough one. I couldn't find one. I wish I picked the Bengals. You just made a good argument because I agree with you. I am I am a little worried about their offense without Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. but I put the Ravens. Do you think anybody's talking about yeah, the Ravens? Yeah, I like that. Was, that was that was my second one, so I like that. Do you think the Ravens? I don't think anybody's talking about the Ravens as a legit Super Bowl contender. They're what are they? They're third in DVOA as a team right now. Mm-hmm. I think on both sides of the ball, they they're a good squad. They're well coached. They have great special teams. I think they're an all around team, and they've had the fourth hardest schedule so far in this in the season. And they're six and three. Have so. you looked at the rest of their schedule? They might it's not light, lose another right? game. Yeah, it's they, very they, they, light. They, they might go eight and zero the rest of the way. They are they host the Panthers, then in Jacksonville, host the Broncos, in Pittsburgh, in Cleveland, host the Falcons again, host the, uh, then play the Steelers, and then finish in Cincinnati. They it could says win they, right here. They have the easiest schedule remaining. Yeah, and it's NFL. not even close. I think like they're they could literally not lose a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I that was my second team, so I, I like that pick. Yeah, this is a team that can ca- they can catch fire and get hot, and they they're going under the radar right now. Yeah. Okay, next one. What has been the most disappointing unit? So, a disappointing offense, disappointing defense from a team. I had a tough time deciding between a defense or an offense here because I had good candidates. I'm going with the Rams offense. Okay, that's twenty twenty seventh in DVOA. Cooper Cup just got hurt, so it's not going to get better. Hopefully, Cup's all right, but they should just shut him down for this year. It's not happening. We put a fork in him last week. This offense just from the get-go has only been Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup only. They're not getting production anywhere else. It's just a it's a throwaway year for yeah. this Rams offense. That's a good one. I didn't really think of them. I like that. I'm going the Broncos offense. And I'm going to okay. tie this into a later one, so I'm not going to go too much. But the Broncos' offense has been a disaster. Mm-hmm. They've been one of the worst offenses in the NFL. They can't do anything. They haven't scored. I think they've scored more than 20 points once. 
Um, if the Broncos have scored, if the Broncos offense scored 18 points in every single game this year, they'd be eight and one. That <laughs> that's that's crazy. That, that's, that blows my mind. Their offense has been so inefficient. So I thought that was the best one to go to. Good call. What has been your most impressive unit? I think it's the Chiefs offense, and I, and I think it's I think that's the best pick. Chiefs offense has been the best offense in the NFL. They've been the most efficient, and it's really not even close from uh, from an efficiency standpoint. They're they're great, and Patrick Mahomes has been the leader of that. Um, Andy Reid has completely kind of flipped his style of offense in the last two years. They're kind of they're, instead of hitting home runs, they're hitting doubles and triples, and they're hitting those doubles and triples efficiently and 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 basically every single week. Um, I, I think the Chiefs' offense has been the most impressive unit. There is actually one offense that is in their DVOA ballpark. That would be the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I know offense. the Miami's Dolphins. It's so hard to get a grasp on their offense because they just haven't been. That's been my most impressive offense. Okay, all right. They're number two in DVOA, just behind Kansas City. Those two are full six points ahead yeah. of every other offense. Baltimore's third at 19.3, Miami's 25.2, Kansas City's 26.1. So they're in a clear ballpark above everybody else. And what Mike McDaniels is doing is working. And getting Jeff Wilson at the trade Steve, deadline. Steve, I wanted to bring this up. What an absolute theft that was. Just plug and play a guy who yeah. knows Mike McDaniels' system in and out. In fact, looks better in that in on Miami than he did in San Francisco since Mike McDaniels left. So it was just a for both those guys, McDaniels and Wilson, that had to be just like an instant like, yes, let's go. And he's a downhill runner. You get him for a fifth-round pick. He completely changes everything on this offense. And, I thought that was such a good move. Or, and who did they unload Edmonds' contract on? Yeah, so they basically – that was Edmonds was to Denver, right? Right. Yeah. So they got rid of Edmonds. Yeah. They were like, this isn't working. Got rid of him. Give me the guy who knows my system, mm-hmm. Jeff Wilson. I thought that was a great and move. And it, it was a great move because they were Raheem Mostert injury away from being screwed. Right, exactly. so this give this give and Mahomes, Raheem Mostert is one of the most banged up running backs basically in the NFL the last few years. So just getting him and getting that insurance of not having to rely on Raheem Mostert, I thought was a great move, and it, it looked really good this week against the Browns. Um, okay, did against the Bears the week before yeah, exactly. too. <laughs> okay, next one. What's a preseason take that you wish you could have back? Okay, this was the team I almost picked for the disappointing unit. I said that this Packers defense was going to be a top five floor. Mm. I thought that on paper, there's no way this defense disappoints. And oh boy, have they disappointed. Yeah. They, they've been one of the worst, not one of the worst defenses, but just been a complete mediocre defense. The talent's not matching up to to the numbers. So I like that one. Mine, I I, I, I didn't, I couldn't really think of like how many like bad preseason takes I had. Like I was all in on the Chargers. That one was really bad. Um, the one that's been bothering me that I just wish I went into more is I wish I went in on the Colts more and how bad this was going to be. I I thought hey. they would no bad no bad takes about Jeff Saturday. Okay, let's got his him. win, baby. He's the only undefeated coach in the NFL right now. I want to know. Sure. I wish I kind of went. I wish I kind of looked at that roster more because there was something bothering me about the roster of the entire summer, and I just wish I went in on it more. And I ended up saying the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win the the, <laughs> the the NFC South or AFC South on this podcast. And then I backtrack on the score when we did our like mid like before season predictions. I picked Indianapolis to win the division because I'm an absolute coward. So I wish I just stuck with the Colts are going to be bad. And I and it, it, I think everything that I thought about it like a little bit has come to fruition. Just the talent isn't there on this roster. But um, I might eat my mm-hmm. words if they upset the Eagles this weekend. 
Right Which, on. That, if the yeah, Eagles lose yeah. to the Colts this weekend, oh. then I'm going into panic mode, guys, if Eagles fans are still listening. All righty. What is your favorite storyline of the season so okay, far? I think there's only one here, and I know you're. I don't know if you're gonna love I, this one. I had a tough time with this one. one? Too. Okay, I think the best, the biggest storyline is it's two teams tied into one. It's the Denver Broncos being an absolute mess and the Seattle Seahawks succeeding. Like the right. Russell Wilson trade, in my opinion, is been the, the has been the biggest storyline in the NFL. Yeah. Just take a look at just take a look at how that trade into everything that like went around it and how it's all kind of coming to fruition here. The Bron- Denver Broncos, like I said, the one of the worst offenses in the NFL, 31st in DVOA. They can't do anything on offense, and their defense is really good. And Russell Wilson is holding that team back. And think about all the stupid things yeah. Russell Wilson's done, like the high knees on the airplane, the let's ride oh crap, God. like the subway commercial. How many cringy moments has this guy had in a nine-game span? And then if you just take a look at just kind of like how like the, he's performing just compared to Geno Smith, it's night and day here. Like, Russell Wilson right now is 22nd Napier per play on offense. Geno Smith is 7th. Like, you're literally, the, the Denver Broncos traded for the wrong quarterback yeah. Like at this point. So, I just think those two tied together. Seattle Seahawks in a playoff spot right now. 6-4. and four. Geno Smith playing out of his mind. He's Geno Smith in itself could have been the best storyline. I was going to go with that, but I thought of tying the kind of the Russell Wilson Broncos to it. Because I, I just think that was the biggest storyline in the offseason. And I still think it's continuing just kind of how it's Yeah, that's apart. a good one. And it's, yeah. That's definitely taking up the most oxygen, Yeah, I would say, in the NFL world. I think the other kind of – it's taking up a lot of oxygen, but this is kind of more of a storyline that's just – it's slowly been brewing. It's This is a long-term type storyline, and it's still just in the early phases, and that would be Tom Brady this season. Okay. People, oh, the Bucs are done. Counting Tom out. Tom's getting a divorce from Giselle. All this kind of negative things about Tom. He's going to win that division. And that take you sent me from Nick Wright, I agree with him. It's been in my mind since I saw that video. He's going to sneak in the playoffs. If you haven't seen this take from Nick Wright, it's basically Tom Brady is going to win the NFC South host a playoff game against Daniel Jones, then go on the road and play Kirk Cousins, and then be in the (laughs) NFC Championship game. And who knows, like, anything can happen. (laughs) Uh, Tom Brady has somehow built the media to be against him and use that as motivation to come out on top. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but Tom is doing it to us again. That's a great pick. I didn't even think of that. And, like, the whole just, like, the, the Giselle stuff of him getting divorced. He's yeah. been, like, a lot of off-field drama. The Bucks just have not been a good offense so far, but they're starting to click a little bit. Yeah. You're, seeing the, you're seeing the gears start to turn. And he's going to sneak in the playoffs at 8-9 or 9-8 and eight and fucking go on a run. Nobody's going to be wanting to play Tom yeah. in the playoffs. I predicted a Bucks chiefs Super Bowl, and I'm, I am think it looks okay right now. It's very plausible. Yeah. Okay. We got three more for you. Defensive Player of the Year. Now, we were going to do this last week, and you had a name for me that you didn't want to tell me. I mean, yeah. Well, okay. When we had this one ready in the chamber last week, it was very, very obvious who the Defensive Player of the Year was. So I just had a backup one, like a spicy pick. So why don't you you talk about the obvious one who should right now is the betting favorite. He's a minus odds on FanDuel to win Defensive Player I of the Year. I think the Defensive Player of the Year has been Michael Parsons. Exactly. And I, I think that's the right pick. I, I You can give me a couple other names, but... Michael Parsons has been the best defensive player in the year this year. 
eight sacks, 43 tackles, 10 TFLs. And just if you almost like use that like a most valuable defensive player aspect, like what he does for that defense, the way he can move all around the field, play in different positions, um, can line up as a linebacker, can line up as a pass rusher. He didn't have a very good game last week against the Packers, but I'm not going to have uh, recency bias here. I think Michael Parsons is defensive player of the year. Yeah. Okay. Like that betting odds would say that is absolutely the right pick. I'm going to talk about a guy who isn't even listed on betting odds right now. That would be Sauce Gardner. I knew you were going with that. I've been thinking about it all week. Is it's going to be Sauce Gardner? Okay. Sauce Gardner is currently the best corner in football. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up a tweet from a guy you interviewed, Brett Coleman, a guy I love his content. Receivers covered by Sauce Gardner this year. Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. Total catches versus man coverage, four for 28 yards. All those names I listed have gone up against Sauce, and four times he's given up a catch for an average of seven yards. He is currently the best corner in football, Mm -hmm. and he's not even listed for defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's been his rookie season has been nothing but spectacular. Um, I, who like who else is on the list? I don't have the odds in front of me. I I prepared for this one last week, oh. and then <laughs> I said I, but I tried to throw you off the scent because I was like, oh, hopefully he doesn't mess up next week, so the take still holds. And he was on a buy, so I tried to throw you off the scent. So Nick Bosa's so Michael Parsons is minus two fifty. Nick Bosa's plus seven hundred. Matthew Judon's plus a thousand. Max Cross, yeah. It's the a, betting odds are saying that Micah Parsons has a lot. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, I we actually had four more. Why don't you throw in the one that we uh we yeah, missed uh, oh, the most improved mo- player? Yeah, I forgot that one. Who's or do you want me to just go yeah, with this uh, one? Who has been the most improved player in the NFL, Mister? We Warner. both agreed on yeah. this one. We had the same guy. It's Justin. Fields. Yeah, baby. He is without doubt the most improved player in football this year. The last, what is it? It's a four-game streak now where Justin Fields has just every week put on a show. Bears have become the first team in NFL history to score 29 or more points in three straight games and lose all three. But in my opinion, that's the most perfect results possible. We wanted losses, but Justin Fields to develop, and that is exactly what is happening before our eyes. Yeah, he's been 100% most improved player. He's been one of the best players of football yeah. over the last year. He's become must-watch TV. It's really cool to see, and I'm kind of happy for you. It's fun to have an yeah. exciting young quarterback. Oh, like, I've, is, never, yeah. I've never experienced this. Yeah, like, and, he, and he's been he's my pick um, 100%. Justin Fields is from last year to this year. He has definitely been the most improved player. Okay, next. Um well, you want to? I'll throw you it at you. You go first. Yeah. On the, I wanted you to go first on this one. Who's okay. your coach of the year? There's so many ways you can go with this one. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's, you can make the argument for a ton of guys. You can make the argument for Nick Sirianni. Eagles rate one. He didn't have a very good coaching game last night, but still think he's done an amazing job for the Eagles. You can go Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel has done a terrific job just with, with, the, with the Tennessee Titans. Um, there's, there's other guys like you can go with Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings. They're right one. I think they're kind of point overplaying their expectations. Mike McDaniel is another one that you can go with. Like look at the Miami Dolphins. Andy Reid's a guy that no one's even talking about. But like you can even look at Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. But I think there's one guy, and I, I we're probably gonna have the same one here. The coach here is Brian Dable. 
so far. The New York Giants are 7-2. and two. He has completely flipped the standard for this organization, completely flipped what this organization was looked upon. What he's done with that offense has been spectacular. They've completely flipped the offensive structure of it. They've become a run-first team. What they're doing with the offensive line, the way they're moving things around, the way they're opening up holes for Saquon Barkley, the way that Daniel Jones is able to run the football. And I think a couple other things, too, what will make him coach here. He gave up the play calling to Mike Kakfa in the offseason, which I thought was a great, great decision. I need to be around the locker room more. I need to connect with the players. I don't need to do the play calling. I thought that was a very kind of just non-selfish move. And bringing in Wink Martindale, veteran defensive coordinator, kind of run this defense to take over that side of the football, I, I thought it was an also a great move. I, I think it's Brian Dayball. And again, you can make arguments for other guys, but in my opinion, he stands alone. I wanted you to go first because I wrote down New York and left that blank because I think the top two candidates would be Brian Dable and Mr. Robert Sala over in New York. <laughs> yeah, so same spot. But what he has done with this defense does, should be being talked about. They are currently ninth overall in DVOA. They're six and three. They have the number six overall DVOA defense. Salah came out, came to this team as a defensive guy. He had to have a lot of turnover. He was giving no talent. He took it on the chin. That defense was, their secondary was like historically bad last year, the passing defense. This year, he has it turned around. He's injected some talent into that side of the ball. It's working. Remember Lawson was lost for the whole year prior to that. That was supposed to be his one weapon that year he didn't even get it so mm -hmm. this year you're getting him back you're getting sauce gardner they spent money on the other corner reed that was what he was probably saying to ownership give me some give me some resources on defense and let me show you what i can do and he's doing it okay i would put a few names over sala i'm the jets i could have the I, jets are going to the playoffs <laughs> man <laughs> i guess the jets there's a few that the the, mud, the bottom of the NFC is kind of or the AFC like the wildcard teams is so up in the air. There's like five or six teams that can grab those last two slots. Um, I was cl close to putting the the Jets into the overrated slot over the Vikings, but really? yeah, I, I'm the still Jets, not buying them. I'm the still, Jets have played so far the third most difficult schedule, and they're six and three. They're playing good football. Salah's done a good job. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but like I, have I just I don't trust. I don't think they're over. Like I, I don't just, trust Zach I'm pulling Wilson. up their schedule. I don't trust Jack. Jack uh, sorry, I don't trust Zach Wilson at all either. But it's because of their defense why I have hope in them. Like holding Josh Allen to 17 points, that was impressive. Going into Lambo, holding the Packers to 10 points, that was impressive. They got lucky against the Dolphins. I was a backup quarterback, but. I think they've had some impressive games this year, and their six and three record is impressive to me, considering their strength of schedule. I just I can't look at Zach, is that the Zach Wilson thing. Like I I don't think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL almost next year. Like he's playing he's playing such bad football, and can the defense yeah. hold on and carry them? Maybe, but that's a yeah. big offseason topic for sure. Okay, big one here. Last one. Finish off. Who has been the most valuable player in the NFL through ten weeks? Eric Warner. So. I'm going to get all analytical with this one. Okay. I love Anal when you get analytical. Analytically, the most valuable player in football has been Tua. You're going to take Tua to go. Oh, Miami? No, Warner. Miami? You're falling for the bait, aren't you? 
Miami has not lost a single game this year that Tua has finished. He is PFF's number one quarterback. EPA, number one. Completion percentage, number two. Completion percentage over expectation, number one. He's the fourth highest air yards in the league as well. So he is throwing the ball deep and having success. Tua so far has been the most valuable player. I need to see more. You I, are an EPA guy. I don't look, look, I when I went to when I was doing all the EPA, the, the DVOA stats today, the analytic stats for this, I didn't expect to see because Tua balled out against Cleveland yesterday. Like he the last the last three games have been insane. Like he's got yeah. like 382 yards against Detroit, three touchdowns, 302 yards against the Bears, three touchdowns. 285 yards against the Browns, three touchdowns. He's been extremely efficient. He's been arguably, he's been a top five quarterback in the NFL. I just, he got hurt. He missed a couple games. So I don't, I can't put him, if he continues this over another seven, if he continues this over another three to four games, he will become the MVP in my mind. I just, I'm not there yet with him. I think he's the runner up. I'm surprised you took the bait. I'm surprised you went with him. I am. But the MVP of the NFL has been Patrick Mahomes. I also knew you were picking yeah. him, so I needed to yeah, do something okay. different. Patrick Mahomes is the is uh, is the MVP of the NFL so far, in my opinion. Second paper play behind Tua because Tua is just like it's, he's <laughs> in a new ballpark. Yeah. It's just he's played fewer games. I just I want to see more. But Did you see the graph of uh, EPA for quarterbacks? Like he is he's, so far yeah. in another quadrant. Like it's, I couldn't believe it. So. I, I think Patrick Holmes has been the best quarterback in the NFL. Just he's been from so high test. From, he's been so valuable. Like go back to that that game against the Tennessee Titans. No one was getting open in, in the secondary. He had to win with his legs. He had to run around. He made a couple big runs. He's lost his best receiver in Tyree Kill. He's making it work with guys like Juju Smith Schuster, Marcus Valdez Scantling. Um, like he, of course, he still has Travis Kelsey, but he, it, this isn't the same Chiefs offense. And for him to come in and play this way, and the other big thing is why I have him number one too is they're still the most efficient offense in the NFL, the Kansas Chiefs. Yeah, and he is leading that offense. Um, I, I just think he's on a on a class of his own. And I had this take I wanted to throw your way last week. I'm going to throw it your way this week. I am almost ready to dictate Patrick Mahomes, this version of Patrick Mahomes, as the best quarterback to ever hit planet Earth. If you were. Am I crazy for that? He's got to do it for longer, though. Like, you could say most talented. Like, like when you're talking about the best quarterback of all time, like, it's Tom Brady. But to me, physical ability, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, like, makes throws I've never seen. But, yes, I, I agree yeah, that like, Patrick Mahomes might have surpassed Aaron Rodgers now as that, like, throw-making ability. Mm -hmm. But just be careful with your words. I think Tom Brady's the best football player of all time. That's right. how I always describe this. Right. When it comes to the quarterback position, who was the most talented and best at what he did, Patrick, the, this 2018 to 22 run that Patrick Mahomes has been on, this four-year stretch, you cannot you can make the argument that it, that quarterback is the been the best quarterback and yeah. ever. Right. And there's a guy who's won back-to-back -back MVPs during that span. That's that's <laughs> yeah. fact. Yeah. <laughs> Like Aaron Rodgers makes throws and decisions yeah. that still are like mind blowing. Like he just he fits the ball into. Such I was pockets. I was watching that Titans game that Sunday night game and I was just blown away at how good he was and how he's able to carry that offense. It was yeah. it was unlike any football player I've seen. Like he 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 is the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Like yeah, of course Travis Kelsey's playing, helped him out, but like he's playing like a superhuman. Yeah, it's disappointing. Allen isn't in this conversation. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, he's taking it. He would have been if he did this two two weeks ago. Yeah, your guy Jalen Hurts also deserve would have deserved some love. I think Hurts like, is I think Hurts is probably third or fourth. Like right now, I think it's Patrick Holmes to attack of Aloha. Jalen Hurts. Like I I, yeah. I Jalen Hurts played yeah. fine yesterday. I thought that final drive he could have made something happen, but yeah, um, that was the other thing about I know we're we're, pro- we're wrapping up now with what <laughs> yeah. we started with. Circle the back. Eagles here. had like two or three chances yeah. to drive down the field and win that game. It wasn't like that penalty was like. I guess they would have technically gotten one more chance. Well, Quest Watkins fumbles the ball. Yeah, like, like throws an absolute dime down the field. Quest Watkins fumbles. Like, like right? exactly. Yeah. Like the Eagles had chances to win that game, and they did. Yeah. So I, I think it goes Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, and if you look at just the paper play metric on offense, who are the top three offense oh, in the NFL? Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles. Offense still dominates this the league, like we've been saying. If you have an efficient offense in the NFL, you're gonna have a good football team. Anyways. That was a good way to finish up. That was a good episode. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, weekend wagers coming your way later today or later this week. Sorry, uh, if you want to win some money, make sure to tune into that. An Eagles episode will be coming at some point this week, so make sure to check out that if you want to um, get more content on the game against the Commanders and the upcoming game against the Colts. Thomas and I will be back, and I got Vic Tafer of the Athletic coming on uh, Las Vegas Raiders writer for the Athletic. We're gonna get back to the Raiders conversation. I think they're a super interesting team down the stretch, just for all the different reasons with the coach and how poorly they're playing. So Vic Tafer will be joining the show later this week. So make sure to check out that. And we will talk to you later. Today's episode is sponsored by True Classic. Guys, let's talk about t-shirts. Finding that perfect fitting shirt can be terrible. I swear the thing is either way too tight, has a case of bacon neck, or is just plain big and boxy. Luckily, True Classic wants to make every man look good and feel good. Tighter fit in the chest and sleeves to make your arms pop and room in the torso to keep things cozy. I'm telling you, all of their styles are super soft and at a great price for what you're getting. So guys, there's no excuse. Get rid of those ratty t-shirts I know you've been hanging on to for years and get ready to upgrade. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on a certain body type. Think skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers and there's nothing wrong with that. My dudes, it's simple. You're wearing the wrong clothes. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some true classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with code DOINK at trueclassic.com. That's 25% off with code DOINK at trueclassic.com. The last sponsor of the day is BetterHelp. Hey, everyone. You know Brennan and Eric take football very seriously. But there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that could not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you you know it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it is easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash double podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode.